It's not a Muslim ban, but we were totally prepared. It's working out very nicely. Oh, yes. Working out very nicely. They are totally prepared. Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. Might be working out. I got the feeling there's something right. For them. I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair. And I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Yep. Yes, I'm stuck in the middle. From with Pacifica you. Radio in Los Angeles, this is the broadcast as heard on 90.7 FM KPFK in Los Angeles. Up in Oregon on 91.7 FM KYAQ on the Central Coast and 106.7 FM KSO in Cottage Grove. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on 93 FM WLRI. In Hawaii on 88.5 FM KAKU, the voice of Maui. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN 94.1 FM, Palinville, New York, 102.9 FM WLPP. And in Minneapolis, St. Paul on AM 950 KTNF the progressive voice of Minnesota. We're also heard streaming coast-to-coast and around the globe on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR Revolution 99, Detour Talk, Radio Monterey, and Radio Sputnik, blanketing planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, all-around swell fellow, says me from bradblog.com. Thank you for joining us today for a uh, far too thrilling, far too action-packed adventure that we call the Bradcast as protests at airports and elsewhere around the country in response to Donald Trump's late Friday executive order banning immigration and otherwise unlawful travel from seven majority Muslim countries continues at this hour. The order which uh, came as we finished up Friday's show, it has been reverberating across the nation and the world ever since. Uh, It began by invoking uh, 9-11. It invoked 9-11 three times, this executive order did. Of course, the 9-11 hijackers were from Egypt, Saudi Arabia, United Arab Emirates, and Lebanon. None of those countries are included in this executive order ban uh, that happened on Friday. So this uh, ban said to be necessary because of 9-11. Actually, uh, none of the home countries of the 9-11 hijackers are included. Moreover, none of the terror attacks or attempted terror attacks in the U.S. since 9-11 and including 9-11 were actually carried out by uh, foreign nationals uh, or those who were born or, or even visited any of the countries listed in this ban. None of the, for example, none of the perpetrators of the Orlando or San Bernardino uh, massacres or the Boston Marathon attacks. Uh, none of them uh, were f- were from or had traveled to any of the countries covered by uh, Trump's executive order. So now here we are as an unknown number of permanent U.S. residents and many others already approved for lawful visas are either being detained in airports without access to attorneys uh, or are otherwise being sent away or kept from traveling here at all by airports around the world. 
the hypocrisy and the lawlessness of Trump's order, frankly, is far more disturbing than it even initially appears on a whole bunch of levels. I'll try to get to some of those levels here today uh, and with my guest shortly. Uh, whose organization has just filed a federal lawsuit, the largest federal lawsuit to date, just hours ago in Washington, D.C., on Monday, in hopes of blocking the entire executive order. In the meantime, uh, just one of the reasons that all of this is much worse than it even appears so far, uh, it was, was documented by Betsy Woodruff at The Daily Beast, Uh, Late on Sunday night, uh, let me read from this. She says, Customs and Border Protection, that's CBP, the federal agency tasked with keeping people from entering the U.S. illegally, successfully deflected a federal judge's court order on Sunday and stonewalled three members of Congress in a display of executive branch muscle. The night before, on Saturday, Judge uh, Leonie Brinkema, ordered CBP officials at the airport to let lawyers have access to legal permanent residents of the U.S. who were detained because of Trump's travel ban. It was a court order from a federal judge, which meant it was enforceable by federal law enforcement. But immigration lawyers at Dulles International Airport in Washington, D.C. said it did not get uh, adequately enforced at the airport And uh, instead, the CBP kept kept, uh, uh, the the detainees at Dulles for unspecified period of time. And it still is not public how many lawful American residents were held there and for how long and kept from having face to face conversations with attorneys. Instead, immigration attorneys told the Daily Beast that they had learned detainees were provided with a copy of Judge Brinkema's order and a paper listing contact information for pro bono immigration attorneys based in Northern Virginia. That even while we had all of these attorneys uh, at the airport ready to speak with these people. It isn't clear if those attorneys uh, in northern Virginia that they were referred to were even on call on Sunday. It isn't clear if all the detainees had access to phones while they were being held. And it isn't clear why CBP barred the numerous volunteer immigration attorneys that were on hand at the airports from talking to the uh, talking in person with the people being held. Uh, the the need for attorneys has obviously been urgent. Slate reported that at least two of the detainees, a 19-year-old and a 21-year-old, both citizens of Yemen, signed away their green cards while they were in detention without access to, uh, to attorneys. It was the worst nightmare, Daily Beast says, for the volunteer lawyers at Dulles. The CBP would be able to nab a public relations win by releasing date detainees, but without the public realizing that the that the agency may have bullied some of those detainees into ceding their rights to live in the U.S. Brickman's order, the judge, um, the, the judge's order in this particular case was just a few lines long. It directed CBP to, quote, permit lawyers access to all legal permanent residents being detained at Dulles International Airport. Some uh, some of the attorneys at the airport want CBP to be held in contempt of court. 
Hassan Ahmad, an immigration attorney at the airport with the HMA law firm in McLean, Virginia, said we still haven't talked to a client, and that is proving serious constitutional problems for access to counsel. Rights are being violated. Officials with the CPB were quarantined away from the public the entire time that Betsy Woodruff says she was at Dulles. She was there for a whole bunch of hours uh, on uh, on Saturday and on Sunday. Lawyers and police officers said the officials were squirreled away in a room down a hall blocked off by police. When Senator Cory Booker, U.S. Senator, visited Dulles on Saturday night, he got past the police and down the hall, but a well-placed source told the Daily Beast that the officials refused to see him. The officials from CBP refused to see him, instead passing notes back and forth about their understanding of the judge's order. Three Democratic members of Congress uh, all tried to get police officers to let them go back and talk to the officials. Uh, this uh, an interchange was caught on uh, on video at, over at Huffington Post, which reports the virtually unprecedented sight of members of the legislative branch of the U.S. government trying with little success to enforce orders from the judicial branch against the will of the executive branch. And which has already uh, prompted some to suggest that Trump's executive order is sparking a constitutional crisis. The members did not get to talk to anyone from the agency at Dulles, and the lawyers didn't talk to anyone who was being detained. The agency had gone to extraordinary lengths to stiff-arm attorneys, according to Brian Murray, an immigration attorney based in Fairfax, Virginia. He added that uh, the attorneys looking to get CBP held in contempt could have trouble making the case in court if the agency blocks them from learning the names of the people who were being detained, and thus... Uh, being detained without rights to an attorney. It is so effed up, he said. Except he didn't say effed. Uh, yeah, really effed up. This is this is extremely effed up. This is incredibly <laughs> chilling that law enforcement will defy the judicial branch orders on behalf of... The executive branch. I mean, the Department of Homeland Security, you know, they've got broad jurisdiction over pretty much all of our lives. And to have them potentially be turned toward mm-hmm. a tool of the administration against Americans and legal American residents is 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 very chilling. This is uh, I don't know be- where beyond this goes. Chilling. Nobody yes. knows where it goes. Nobody knows where it goes. I guess this is what it looks like when America is great again on Sunday. Uh, Just two days after being sworn in, 45 percent of respondents in a uh, daily tracking poll by uh, uh, by Gallup, uh, 45 percent of respondents said they disapproved of Trump's job performance and 45 percent approved. That was two days after he was sworn in. By Friday, just five days later, the percentage who disapproved of Donald Trump uh, rose to 50% and the percentage who approved dipped to 42%. And I should note that was by Friday, an eight point drop in his first week in office on Friday before this executive order came out. He is now uh, at 42% approval rating, uh, an historic low uh, for an incoming president like this, according to this uh, Gallup survey. Of course, we covered uh, other surveys who found uh, similar numbers. Uh, Quinnipiac survey last Thursday, again, before the order said that 45% of respondents um, 
disapproved of his handling of the presidency thus far. Only 36 percent in that uh, in that poll approved of what Donald Trump was doing. But you know who does approve of what Donald Trump is doing? According to The Washington Post, jihadist groups on Sunday celebrated the Trump's administration ban on travel from seven Muslim majority countries, saying the new policy validates their claim that the U.S. is at war with Islam. Comments posted to pro-Islamic state, uh, pro-ISIS social media accounts predicted that Trump's executive order would persuade American Muslims to side with the extremists. One posting hailed the U.S. president as, quote, the best caller to Islam. While others predicted that Trump would soon launch a new war in the Middle East. Uh, Islamic State leader uh, Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi, quote, uh, has the right to come out and inform Trump that banning Muslims from entering America is a blessed ban, said one posting to a pro-ISIS channel on Telegram. The writer compared the executive order to the U.S. invasion of Iraq in 2003, which Islamic militant leaders at the time hailed as a blessing, as a blessed invasion that ignited anti-Western fervor across the Islamic world. Several postings also suggested that Trump was fulfilling the predictions of Anwar al-Awlaki, the American-born al-Qaeda leader uh, and, and preacher who famously said that the West would eventually turn against its Muslim citizens. Al-Awlaki was, uh, was killed in a U.S. drone strike in Yemen in 2011. Another uh, another poster uh, beneath the banner of Alaki uh, and and his quote about uh, the West would eventually turn against its Muslim citizens said when U.S. Donald Trump, uh, U.S. President Donald Trump says we don't want them here and bans the Muslim immigrants from Muslim countries there is one thing that comes to our mind. Citing the Alaki uh, quote, another posting on Telegram uh, this same channel said that Trump's actions clearly revealed the truth and harsh reality behind the American government's hatred towards Muslims. Unbelievable. Um, <laughs> this is uh, th this is exactly uh, Donald Trump is fulfilling the dreams of the jihadists. He's also the dreams of ISIS. He's also fulfilling the dreams of Osama bin Laden. Remember yep. when bin Laden said all those years ago before perpetrating 9-11 that his goal was to get the United States to turn upon itself and rip itself apart from the inside. Hey, we're doing great in that regard, aren't Heck we? Good job. Uh, Robert uh, Richer, a 35-year CIA veteran and former chief of the agency's Near East Division, said that this ban was, quote, a tragic mistake that could further that could undermine future efforts to recruit spies and collect vital information about terrorists and their plans. How, he asked, can CIA officers persuade Iraqi and Syrian nationals to risk their lives to help the United States? This was a win for jihadists and other anti-U.S. forces. Uh, said Richard, who, he was uh, he was the deputy chief of the agency's operations directorate during the George W. Bush administration. He says this fuels the belief out there that Americans are anti-Islam. Otherwise, it accomplishes nothing because the ones we are most concerned about can still get into the U.S. Uh, and yes, the uh, one of the first lawsuits that was that was filed in this case uh, against two detainees at uh, at JFK, uh, one of them had worked, had been working with the U.S. as a translator for going back to 2003. 
during the worst part, during the initial invasion of Iraq, during all of the years since. Uh, he has been working for two years to get clearance to come to the U.S. He had all of his papers in order. He was approved uh, under the visa program, and he was one of the people being detained at JFK on uh, on Saturday. Another one was uh, a, a man whose whose family had been targeted in Iraq with car bombs. And now, luckily, those two. Uh, those two detainees were eventually released after a court order uh, was obtained, but others were, were sent back before that court order came in. Others were stopped from traveling. People who had legal, legitimate uh, visas that they had been uh, working on, uh, that they had been getting uh, for, for years, that they had been ed- uh, vetted for years they were turned back by this uh, by this madness. U.S. judges in at least five different states so far have now blocked federal authorities from enforcing at least parts of Trump's executive order. Judges in California, Massachusetts, Virginia and Washington state. Each home to international airports, each of those judges issued their rulings after a similar order was issued on Saturday night by U.S. District Judge Ann Donnelly in New York's uh, uh, Brooklyn borough. None of the rulings, however, struck down Friday's executive order by the new Republican president. Basically, all they did was said, uh, you know, some said, oh, you can't uh, you, you can't send them back. You can detain them, but you can't send them back or you can detain them. Uh, or you, you, you can't send them back. You can't detain them. But uh, they still do, will not be approved uh, for, for moving here as they had been uh, allowed to, according to their papers, for so many years. There's questions about the constitutionality of the entire order, according to Andrew Pincus, a, an attorney from uh, Meyer Brown, representing two Yemeni men who were detained um, and who were actually denied U.S. entry from an overseas flight despite being legal permanent residents of the U.S. People have gone through the process to obtain legal permanent resident status or visas, P- uh, Pincus said. There are serious questions about whether those rights, which are created by, this, by statute, can unilaterally be taken away by a, by a president with an executive order. Attorneys general from uh, from 15 different states, California, New York, 13 other states and Washington, D.C., said in a statement uh, that they condemned this executive order, pledged to fight what they called Trump's dangerous and unconstitutional order. An unconstitutional order about which there was uh, there has been for the last uh, three days now, utter confusion, utter chaos and I guess some would order that was by design. I don't know if that was by design or that was just the ineptitude of this particular White House, which apparently uh, did not run any of this through the Department of Homeland Security, the Department of Defense, the Department of State. DHS and, and the State Department uh, saw this just just before it was signed into law. Well, I don't even want to say into law just before the executive order was signed by Donald Trump. So no one was prepared. The Border Patrol uh, did not see this. It wasn't until Friday, the day that Trump signed the order, that career Homeland Security staff were actually allowed to see the final details of the order, according to CNN. Uh, 
And so you had widespread confusion everywhere. We still have it today. It's unclear whether this law does or does not apply to people who have who are permanent, who have permanent resident status here, who have green cards. Uh, two, uh, I mentioned the the, the two uh, Yemenis who were uh, detained at uh, JFK uh, in Philadelphia, a Syrian family of six who had a visa through a family connection in the U.S. They were placed on a return flight to Doha, Qatar. And DHS officials said that others were in the air who were in the air at the time would be detained upon arrival, put back on planes to their home country. And yet Donald Trump, when asked about this on Saturday, as these uh, as these protests were 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 growing around the country, said uh, said that the, the government was totally prepared for this. Everything was working out uh, very, very nicely. It's not a Muslim ban, but we were totally prepared. It's working out very nicely. You see it at the airports. You see it all over. It's working out very nicely. And we're going to have a very, very strict ban and we're going to have extreme vetting which we should have had in this country for many years. Delusional. Uh, That is delusional. It's delusional, and it is now uh, the policy of the United States of America. Um, uh, Apparently, the disagreement, by the way, about the green cards... Uh, and and you know whether people who had green cards were were permanent residents. Uh, th- there was confusion about whether this order applied to them or not. Homeland Security Department originally said it did not, but that was overruled by the White House itself. The order uh, came from uh, the president's inner circle, Stephen Miller and Steve Bannon, overruled their own Department of Homeland Security. Uh, and put out uh, a statement that was uh, in contradiction with what the Department of Homeland Security had had told airports on uh, on Friday night. Before the president issued the order, the White House did not seek the legal guidance of the Office of Legal Counsel, according to CNN. Uh, that would be the Justice Department office that interprets the law for the executive branch. The White House now disputes that and says, yes, OLC did sign off on that. Well, we will see if that was true or not. A source said the creation of the executive order did not follow the standard agency review process that typically oversees uh, this sort of thing that is typically overseen by the National Security Council, which now has had uh, Stephen Bannon, the publisher of Breitbart, now added to the National Security Council Uh, which has deprecated uh, the Joint Chiefs of Staff who would normally run the National Security Council. Instead, we've got a wingnut blogger now running the National Security Council and giving orders and overriding the Department of Homeland Security. Uh, It's it's madness. It's it's insane. Uh, and uh, it, it's also illegal. We've got now uh, information that uh, diplomats all over the world, apparently there is uh, some uh, a procedure that has been set up since the, uh, since the Vietnam War that allows uh, diplomats and foreign service officers to issue complaints, to go around their boss and, and basically issue complaints. And now dozens of foreign service officers and other career diplomats around the world are so concerned about the new executive order uh, 
uh, that they are uh, considering taking this rare step. And the uh, the draft copy of this memo that they are planning to send uh, says this ban will not achieve its stated aim to protect the American people from terrorist attacks by foreign nationals admitted to the U.S., Given the near absence of terror attacks committed in recent years by visa holders from Syria, Iraq, Yemen, Somalia, Iran, Libya or Sudan, this ban will have little practical effect in improving public safety. According to these diplomats, in uh, in fact, the executive order, quote, calls back to some of the worst times in our history, such as the internment of Japanese Americans during World War II. Decades from now, they write, we will look back and realize we made the same mistakes. In the meantime, it's not just uh, courts. It's not just uh, members of uh, Democratic members of Congress. There's also Republican, a few Republican, a very few Republican members of Congress who are coming out against this uh, against this policy, including John McCain and uh, Lindsey Graham. Uh, who said that the executive order sends a signal uh, that America does not want Muslims coming into our country. That is why we fear this executive order may do more to help terrorist recruitment than improve our security, they wrote in their statement. Uh, So it's not just uh, courts. It's not just Democratic members of Congress. It's not just some Republican members of Congress. It's not just diplomats around the world. It's also the Cato Institute, the right wing Cato Institute, who says President Trump signed an executive order on Friday that purports to bar for at least 90 days almost all permanent immigration from seven majority Muslim countries, including Syria and Iraq. But the order is illegal, writes David Beyer in the uh, in the New York Times, David Beyer of the Cato Institute. The order is illegal. More than 50 years ago, Congress outlawed such discrimination against immigrants based on national origin. Mr. Trump appears to want to reinstate uh, by executive order uh, what a new type of what they described the Asiatic barred zone. Uh, the immigration, but but there is one problem. He writes the Immigration and Nationality Act of 1965 banned all discrimination against immigrants on the basis of national origin, replacing the old prejudicial system and giving each country an equal shot at the quotas. In signing the new law, President Lyndon B. Johnson said that the quote harsh injustice of the national origins quoted system had been abolished. Nonetheless, writes Beyer, Mr. Trump asserts that he still has the power to discriminate. He points to a 1952 law that allows the president the ability to suspend the entry of any class of aliens that he finds are detrimental to the interest of the U.S. But the president ignores the fact that Congress then restricted that power in 1965, stating plainly that no person could be, quote, discriminated against in the issuance of an immigrant visa because of the person's race, sex, nationality, place of birth or residence. And that's exactly now what the Council on American Islamic Relations is charging that this law does. Violates uh, the law, violates the Constitution, And they have now filed uh, a lawsuit to completely strike down this uh, appalling, offensive executive order that was issued Friday by Donald Trump. We will speak with uh, Lena Masri of the Council on American Islamic Relations about this lawsuit just filed hours ago. 
next on the Bradcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Don't go away. Hey, this is Brad. Remember me, the guy who was warning you about Donald Trump from the day he entered the race, when the rest of the U.S. media were telling you his candidacy was a joke, that he'd never win, and that Hillary Clinton had it in the bag. We told you otherwise from the beginning and up until Election Day. Well, we may have been right, but we still don't have corporate or foundational support. We still rely on you to stay on your public airwaves. Please stop by bradblog.com slash donate to support the work that Desi Doyen and I do every day. This country ain't going to save itself, but we can all do it together. That's bradblog.com slash donate. And thank you. All right, welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com on uh, on another very dark day. The Council on American-Islamic Relations, or CARE, filed a lawsuit Monday just hours ago in federal court in Alexandria, Virginia, challenging Donald Trump's executive order restricting citizens of seven Muslim-majority countries from traveling to the U.S., claiming that that, uh, that that executive order is essentially unlawful and unconstitutional. The lawsuit characterizes the ban as an unconstitutional first step in fulfilling Trump's campaign promise to impose, quote, a total and complete shutdown of Muslims entering the United States because it, quote, favored and disfavored groups based on their faith. It is, as the Daily Beast describes it today, the biggest lawsuit yet filed against Donald Trump's immigration order. The suit against Trump, Homeland Security Secretary John Kelly, the Department of State and the Director of National Intelligence names more than 20 plaintiffs, a dozen of whom are identified only as John or Jane Doe because of the precariousness of their legal position. It refers to Trump's order, officially known as protecting the nation from terrorist attacks by foreign nationals, as the Muslim exclusion order throughout the case. Uh, here's how it starts. Uh, the, uh, and this is uh, the very first paragraph. The vulgar animosity that accounts for the existence of executive order entitled Protecting the Nation from Terrorist Attacks by Foreign Nationals is plain to see, and the absence of the words Islam or Muslim does nothing to obscure it. In fact, the executive order has already gained national attention and uh, media attention and nationwide protest and has been dubbed uniformly as the Muslim ban because it, its apparent and true purpose and underlying motive is to ban Muslims from certain Muslim-majority countries, including Iraq, Iran, Libya, Somalia, Sudan, Syria, and Yemen, uh, and has been broadcast to the general public by the Trump administration. Less known, the suit notes, is the second and equally central purpose of the Muslim exclusion order to initiate the mass expulsion of immigrants and non-immigrant Muslims lawfully residing in the U.S. by denying them the ability to renew their lawful status or receive immigration benefits afforded to them under the Immigration and Nationality Act of 1965 based solely on their religious beliefs. Many Muslims lawfully in the United States... Uh, are targeted 
uh, by the Muslim exclusion order, including some of the John Doe and John Doe plaintiffs, uh, will be forced as a result of the Muslim exclusion order to return to their home countries where they will likely face persecution, torture, and even execution simply because they are Muslim. Boy, here to join us uh, to talk about this now is Lena Masri. She is a Muslim civil rights attorney and human rights activist and the National Litigation Director and Acting Civil Rights Director at the Council on American Relations, or CARE, who has filed this uh, lawsuit just hours ago. She previously served as legal director of CARE's chapter in Michigan, and in her own law practice, she specializes in immigration and political asylum. Lena Masri, welcome to the broadcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here on, uh, I, I suspect, what must be a very difficult day for you and your organization uh, and Muslims, not just in this country, but worldwide. Uh, let me jump into the case here, uh, Lena. You've got two different groups of plaintiffs. Some are named, some are not. Uh, can you give me a, just a general idea uh, who these people are, who are the plaintiffs, and why are some of them named and, and others, uh, others not nameable at this time? So we have two sets of plaintiffs in this lawsuit, the Jane and John Doe's, whose names are concealed, and those are the people that are directly targeted by this Muslim exclusion order. You're talking about green card holders. We have some students that are going to be unable to renew their student visas and eventually forced out of the country once they lose their status. We're talking about asylees who fled their home countries from persecution, torture, and potential execution uh, that are listed on here, and among other different types of statuses. One for John Doe's is an American citizen who has a dual nationality uh, in Syria, and, you know, as a result, all of these people, once they exit the country, although they have lawful status right now in the United States, once they exit, they're not going to be allowed back in, and because of their, you know, they're obviously afraid of retaliation, of, you know, having a possible revocation of their status as a result of standing up and, and uh, opposing Trump's Muslim exclusion order, we've concealed their identities for their own safety. The other set of plaintiffs are American citizen Muslims who have been also targeted by this Muslim exclusion order in the sense that President Trump has issued a broad-scale condemnation of Islam as a religion, which, you know, is a very basic violation of the First Amendment to the United States the most important amendment that we have, um, where the government cannot prefer or condemn one religion over another. And as American Muslims, we have all been violated. Uh, we've all had our constitutional rights violated by that uh Broad, that condemnation that was broadcast to the general public. Let, let me play uh, the devil's advocate, or in this case, Trump's advocate here. Uh, he says uh, that they are not targeting Muslims, that uh, they're just targeting people from certain countries. How, uh, focusing for the moment on, on the U.S. citizens that are named as plaintiffs in your suit, how are... Uh, how are their rights specifically being violated by this order or even by language that the uh, that the administration is, is, is using, as you see it? Well, the thing here that's really important to note, yes, we're talking about only seven countries. And by the way, after 90 days, we know that additional countries are going to be named as well. 
Um, but these uh, countries that were named are all Muslim-majority countries, and the order essentially provides a way for non-Muslims to enter under the executive order and not Muslims, and that is by claiming religious persecution. So just to highlight what I'm talking about, an mm -hmm. example, if there is a, a Syrian Christian green card holder and a Syrian Muslim green card holder, let's say they're both lawfully living in the United States together, they travel abroad, they both try to re-enter, the customs officer initially is going to tell both of them, you cannot come in because you're Syrian. When the Syrian Christian says, yes, but I'm fleeing from religious persecution, he enters. The Muslim says, I'm fleeing from religious persecution, he does not enter. And that's the reason why this executive order very clearly targets the Muslim community. There is no way under this executive order that a Muslim can enter the country. There, there has been, of course, utter confusion, frankly, about the order since it was issued a few days ago, even among the administration and, and, the, and the federal agencies that are supposed to be enforcing it. But uh, you, you mentioned the uh, political asylum for religious uh, purposes, uh, th those who are, have been religiously persecuted in their in their own uh, countries. Um, and, and there's this supposed exclusion that you cite, uh, you know, if they come from a minority religion in their country. Uh, how does CARE actually interpret that? And, for example, would that apply to Shia Muslims versus Sunni Muslims, uh, you know, in a Sunni, uh, in a Sunni majority country? Could, could that uh, interpretation be used here, or, or has, has the administration made clear, no, uh, Muslim is Muslim, and, and that's that? Well, you know, a couple of things here. One is that Sunnis and Shias are two different sects of the same religion. Mm -hmm. um, the language in the executive order specifically con uh, pertains to religion, and not it doesn't offer sects to claim a persecution based on being a minority sect. It says minority religion. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, we have to look at the, the broader context, and that is that Trump and his own, you know, his own representatives, his, Giuliani recently uh, came out and said that Trump specifically asked him to look into a way to make a Muslim ban appear legal. So and there's been a lot of talk by the Trump administration, the Trump team, that their intent was to create a Muslim ban, and the result was not just a Muslim ban, but actually a full-scale exclusion order that's going to initiate the expulsion of Muslims that are lawfully residing in the United States. Let me talk about uh, just some of the plaintiffs. Uh, one of them, I understand, uh, just just by way, so the people understand, because I think the people, uh, you know, it's easy to look at this and say, oh, it's a it's a Muslim ban, or this affects uh, this group of people, but they don't really understand the the very specific individuals we're talking about. For example, one of them in your uh, in your complaint is a critical care physician serving an underserved, uh, underserviced area in the U.S. He's a permanent, I think it's a he, uh, is a permanent U.S. resident of Syrian origin, but on, out of the country currently, and, and there's a concern that uh, this physician will not be allowed back in, a physician who's been living here and working here for, for years now? Yes, so under the order, any green card holder that leaves the country 
if he, as long as he has a nationality in one of those seven Muslim-majority countries, if he leaves the United States, even for a brief vacation, even if he just crosses the border to Canada, he is no longer allowed to re-enter. So now you're talking about a whole population of people that lost their position. They People are going, Americans, us as Americans, we are going to lose access to physicians, to nurses, to educators, to engineers, to people across, professionals across civil society, because they are Muslim. So this impacts us mm. all as Americans, and that is the reason why this order is so dangerous and why, as Americans, we need to stand up and oppose this order. Lena Masri, uh, National Litigation Director uh, for the Council on American-Islamic Relations. There, there were another, uh, a number of uh, federal judges over the weekend, all of whom came out uh, you know, in favor of the plaintiffs uh, right now uh, complaining about this uh, this order, uh, many of them, a number of the federal judges said that this should not be applied to green card holders. Uh, you know, in other words, people who have lawfully uh, either been here or lawfully received visas. Do you get? And yet, we've also been getting reports that. Uh, uh, agency officials, customs agents have not been uh, have been ignoring some of these federal orders. Can you confirm uh, that? Have you heard from any of these uh, plaintiffs or any of the people that you work with that uh, the the federal agents are not following the federal court orders that have been issued in the past, uh, what, uh, 24 to 72 hours at this point? So, um, you know, as you noted, federal judges were actually five of five uh, ruled that this is unconstitutional, this order is unconstitutional uh, with regards to people that are in transit and people that are being detained in the airports. From what I saw is even if there are some agents that are refusing to implement the executive order, the uh, Customs and Border Protection and uh, Department of Homeland Security issued statements that they are intending to comply with the executive order, which is, you know, it highlights the reason why we need, why we filed this lawsuit and why we're asking the court to declare the entire order unconstitutional. So it's not just a matter of one or two agents on whether they're going to be applying it or not. And before I ask you, Lena, about the uh, the status of the case and how quickly you, you expect it to be heard here, uh, we've had some reports that uh, some who have been detained at these airports were freed uh, to go, but only after they agreed to sign away their uh, their residency, their their green card rights, essentially. Uh, have have you heard that as well from any of your clients or uh, people with care? I have. Yes, we we've seen this as a large scale issue, and we're advising that nobody sign away any rights. Uh, people that whose status are in jeopardy need to consult with an immigration attorney as soon as possible, uh, so that we can take steps to secure your rights. And they were doing some of these people were not allowed to 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 have counsel at all, even though uh, a lot of attorneys have been available at the uh, at the airports and they signed away these rights, as as we've heard, uh, without even being allowed to consult an attorney, um, all of which is very uh, disturbing, uh, to be frank. Um, where's the uh, where does this case uh, stand now? How quickly do you expect it will be uh it will be heard, and at this point, what are you asking for? To basically just nullify the entire executive order? And is, would that be permanently, or, or just get a stay on it for now until, as Donald Trump would say, we can figure out what the hell is going on? 
No, we are, uh, you know, prioritizing this. We're going to be requesting uh, the entire executive order be stricken as unconstitutional, uh, and, and that is on a permanent basis. And in doing that, we would also be requesting the court to, uh, I mean, this is essentially creating precedent to make sure that it's not just this order that mm-hmm. we're striking as unconstitutional, but we need to ensure that this does not happen again. There are many that uh, who even many who oppose Trump's uh, executive order who seem to think there do there nonetheless needs to be improvements uh, to our immigration and and visa application processes. Uh, Does CARE agree with that assessment? In other words, are there changes that could be made or could have been made? to our current processes that would not, that might not, you know, that, well, changes that would might increase security but not be challenged by your organization? Is it the fact that they're doing this at all, or is it the way they have done this, Lena? Well, I mean, we, we as a country vet immigrants and refugees more than any other country in the entire world. The people that are admitted into the United States already go through extreme vetting, this narrative that the Trump administration is putting forward that we need to start vetting immigrants, uh, you know, for national security purposes, uh, you know, and, and let me backtrack. He doesn't say vetting because that presumes people are admitted. He says he wants to block immigrants coming from uh, certain religious-based backgrounds. That narrative does not do anything to uh, protect our country. It does not provide us with national security whatsoever. The vetting process is already there. As with every uh, man-made policy, everything can always be strengthened, and that is fine. But the moment you cross the line and uh, target religious-based groups, this, I mean, this is a blatant violation of the U.S. Constitution and doesn't make our, our country any safer. We reported earlier today that uh, comments posted to uh, pro-Islamic state social media accounts, pro-ISIS uh, accounts, predicted that Trump's executive order would persuade American Muslims to side with the extremists. Uh, ISIS apparently is celebrating this order, Lena. Uh, that said, uh, what are their, what, what of that claim that they believe that the order will persuade American Muslims to side with extremists? Is, is that a concern that CARE shares? It, it's not a concern that I share. Um, what I'm concerned about is when the president of a country such as the United States, a superpower in the world, comes out and says, I'm condemning one religion over another, doesn't that also set an example to ISIS and to other extremists? to take a similar position. That is not in our national interest. Uh, Lena, last question here. Over the weekend, uh, the ACLU had reported that they had received a record number of donations, millions of dollars uh, more than they generally receive, apparently, in an entire year. Are you seeing a similar uptick in support there at CARE, and what can people do uh, right now to uh, to help your important work here? Uh, we are seeing an uptick, definitely. I can't comment specifically as to how much because um, that is not uh, the department that I'm involved in. Mm-hmm. Um, but we do, uh, you know, we're always open to donations and support so that we can continue the work that we're doing. Uh, Lena, uh, thanks for joining us. Lena Massery, she is the National Litigation Director for the Council on American-Islamic Relations. Uh, you can get more information on them at care.com. 
Uh, and you can find uh, Lena's work on her own at lenamassery.com. Lena, really appreciate you talking to us today, and, and I hope you don't mind that uh, we're probably going to continue bothering you uh, in the days and months ahead as, as this madness moves forward. Oh, please do. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Lena. All right, we got to get out. Uh, quick break here. We're running late. Uh, we'll be back with more. I'm Brad Friedman. This is the Bradcast. <laughs> Hi, this is Desi Doyen from the Green News Report and the Bradcast. What the public hears on the public airwaves matters. At the Bradcast, we do our best to bring you accurate news and analysis on the issues that actually matter. And we do it all independently, without corporate or political influence. But we can't do it without you, now more than ever. Please help us stay on your public airwaves by going to bradblog.com donate to help keep us going. That's bradblog.com donate. And thanks. Welcome back to the Bradcast. Brad Friedman from Bradblog.com. Uh, this just breaking uh, when we when we took a break here. So uh, I'm reading it with you here. Acting Attorney General orders Justice Department not to defend refugee ban. ban. Uh, Acting Attorney General Sa- Sally Yates, a holdover from the Obama administration, ordered the Justice Department on Monday not to defend President Trump's executive order on immigration in court. She writes, I am responsible for ensuring that the positions we take in court remain consistent with the institution's solemn obligation to always seek justice and stand for what is right. Ms. Yates wrote wrote in a letter to uh, Justice Department lawyers at present. I'm not convinced that the defense of the executive order is consistent with these responsibilities, nor am I convinced that the executive order is lawful. Wow. Well, I wonder how uh, much longer she'll be in that job. Well, exactly. They go on to say the uh, decision is largely symbolic. Uh, Trump's nominee to be Attorney General Jeff Sessions is likely to be confirmed soon, but it highly and and he will. And I sure as sure as hell hope that every goddamn Democrat in the U.S. Senate votes against him. Uh, anyway, uh, the Times, uh, New York Times says uh, this highlights the deep divide at the Justice Department and elsewhere in the government over Trump's order. Trump has the authority to fire Yates. Maybe she'll be fired by the time we finish this uh, today's broadcast. The way things uh, are going, I wouldn't be surprised. Yep. Uh, Trump has the authority to fire her, but as the top Senate confirmed official at the Justice Department, She is the only one authorized to sign foreign surveillance warrants, an essential function at the department. So if she is fired, those cannot be signed. Uh, She writes, uh, for as long as I am the acting attorney general, the Department of Justice will not present arguments in defense of the executive order unless and until I become convinced that it is appropriate to do so. Good luck, Sally Yates. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Talk about your constitutional crisis. Yep. Uh, Man. And, uh, you know, this reading some of these stories and I'd hoped to get to them. uh, I I wasn't able to. But, well, here, let me look. I got time for just one here. Uh, While there were no official accounts on the number of people impacted who were traveling when the ban took effect, the impact on those temporarily outside the country is likely exponentially larger. The stay does not apply to them. 
the stay. They're talking here. Uh, this is the Intercept talking about the uh, the court order on Friday. The stay on uh, sending people back to their home country. The stay does not apply to them. Those people who were happened to be outside of the country temporarily. It's unclear how many people were stranded outside the country after their visas and green cards were suddenly revoked. As Lena Massery was talking about. Uh, For example, a Texas resident named Stephanie Felton, who contacted The Intercept, said that her sister-in-law, an Iranian green card holder who has lived in Chicago for over a decade, was stranded in Iran after traveling there last week to visit family. With her in Iran is her three-year-old daughter, who's an American citizen, who now has no way to return to the U.S. with her mother. Iran, in the meantime, has promised a reciprocal ban on American citizens traveling there, effectively making it impossible for the child to see her father or the rest of her family. Nobody is providing any answers right now, Felton told The Intercept. My family have become refugees from my country. It should be noted here, it is not only um, Muslims who are actually uh, affected by this ban. The uh, Trump's program uh, brings a halt to programs that would bring uh, uh, Jews and Christian and Baha'i refugees from Iran. Under a 27-year-old program originally approved by Congress to help Jews in the Soviet Union, Austria uh, had been serving until recently as a conduit for Iranian Jews, Christians and Baha'i who are at risk in their home country and eligible to resettle in the United States. Uh, But now uh, it's unclear whether those people will be able to travel, will be able to travel to the U.S. The uh, Austrian uh, airport has shut its doors to about 300 non-Muslim Iranians hoping to use the country as a way station before coming to the United States. So that was uh, that was blocked. And Jim Sciuto of CNN's uh, CNN's chief uh, national security correspondent said just an hour or two ago uh, on Twitter, just in, Israel seeking clarity on Trump travel ban, 145,000 Jews born in seven countries listed in the executive order, including 54,000 in Iraq and 45,000 in Iran, uh, may not be able to travel here from Israel. So that's happening as well. I mean, this is just utter, uh, this is utter chaos. This is uh, perhaps what, well, if not Donald Trump, then, you know, his top guy, Steve Bannon, may want more chaos than anyone can deal with, than the media can deal with, than the people can deal with, than the citizenry can deal with. And the judicial system. And the judicial system and the Department of Justice. Um. Chaos is what he does. What are we protesting today? I mean, that's that's what it has now. uh, That's what it has now come down to. And uh, by the way, we do I have time. Yeah, I have just one minute for this. Uh, California, we talked on uh, on Friday's show about the fact that uh, there's actually an effort now that is officially underway that has been approved by the California Secretary of State to begin collecting signatures to put on the ballot in uh, in 2018 a move that would uh, declare independence for the state of California. This could go on to the ballot and a process that actually could move forward. Uh, And now uh, California 
the state of California is studying ways to suspend financial transfers to Washington, D.C. after the Trump administration threatened to withhold federal money from sanctuary cities, according to the uh, CBS affiliate up in Sacramento. Officials are looking for money that flows through Sacramento to the federal government that could be used to offset the potential loss of billions of dollars worth of federal funds if Trump makes good on his threat. Whether it's legal or not, that doesn't seem to matter. Makes good on his threat to punish cities and states that don't cooperate with federal agents uh, concerning undocumented immigrants, turning information to uh, turn over undocumented immigrants to the federal government. Senior government source in Sacramento told that to KPIX 5 on Friday, I think this was, or over the weekend. This, uh, the, this federal, these federal funds pay for a variety of state and local programs from law enforcement to homeless shelters. California could very well become an organized non-payer, said Willie Brown Jr., former Speaker of the State Assembly, in an interview uh, recorded Friday. Uh, they could recommend non-compliance with the federal tax code. Uh, so we, we could have a state, the largest state in the union, the sixth largest economy in the country, in the world, uh, actively defying the federal government. We, we pay more money to the federal government than any other state. Right. And, and, and we get yeah. we pay more into the federal government and we get less back. Other states get more back from the federal government in proportion to what they send. Well, that may end soon. We may have a, another war between the states or at least a war between uh, the, a state and the federal government. That sure as hell seems like where we're headed. And we are barely into week two of the Donald Trump presidency. Unbelievable. What will all of this bring tomorrow? I don't know. Stay tuned. We'll be here. My thanks to our producer. De- I think we'll be here. My <laughs> produ- my thanks to my producer, Desi Doyen, to Lena Masri of the Council on American Islamic Relations and to you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. It is greatly appreciated. If you missed any portion of today's show, you can download it for free anytime at bradblog.com. And we are we remain uh, indebted to those of you who stop by bradblog.com slash donate to help us continue doing what we do uh, in now in our 13th year of doing it. Whatever it is, uh, we just passed our, our 12th anniversary. So thanks to uh, those of you who support us. You can drop me email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. And you can find me on the Facebooks and the Twitters where I hope you will find us, follow us and share us far and wide. Find us at The Brad Blog. All right, that's it. Until we meet again, I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. <laughs>